0: welcome to wild and weird i'm jenna and i'm audrey audrey is there anything new going on
1: i feel like you always ask me this and i never have anything i know
0: it's so hard especially on the times when we record back to back sometimes we'll record just a couple days apart but this time you had a whole week
1: i know and my life isn't that exciting dude mine either i feel that what about you jenna did you do anything fun or have anything exciting in your life? The most exciting thing that's happened to me this week is I came
0: home on Sunday and my neighbor had mowed my lawn.
1: Okay, I don't know if that's, like, an exciting thing. Like, they did it for you as a favor or they did it for you as a favor to them. Okay,
0: I know. I had the same thought and I was like, am I embarrassed or grateful? Either way, I'm grateful. Both. But I'm also a little embarrassed. But they did it because they bought a new riding lawnmower. So he, like, got done with his yard so fast. He was like, well, I'll just do my neighbors. And, like, he did his
1: neighbors on each side. So he was like, just... It's so quick. Okay, that makes it sound less like you're the neighbor that doesn't mow their yard and more like he was just having a good time.
0: Okay, yeah, that's what made me feel better about it. So now I'm grateful and less embarrassed. And when I like look outside, I'm like, oh, how wonderful to have a mowed lawn that I didn't go spend two hours making happen. Yeah, your yard is huge. It's excessive. It's definitely, like, not by choice. I would choose a smaller yard, but, (laughs) you know, it works. At least Georgia gets to enjoy it, my dog, so.
1: Yeah, she loves it, except she – we can't even throw the ball all the way down the backyard. Yeah, you'd need, like, a machine to do it. My husband is stomping around the house, (laughs) and I can see his footprints, like (laughs) – Register on. That's funny. I bet I can mute them out.
0: It's fine. Maybe I'll amplify them for the audience. And then they'll be like, someone's in the house. Audrey is not alone in the house. It's true. Yeah. There's nothing really exciting in my life. You know what? Mm -hmm. If we don't have much going on, I think that's fine because we can just jump into the story.
1: Yeah. And you have a second part for me.
0: I sure do. So last week I told you about the disappearance of Lynn Dawson and... Naturally, I wanted to do a quick recap, but it's, like, longer than a normal recap just because there are so many moving parts in this
1: story. Okay, that's how I felt last time. I was like, I just retold the whole story and it took me, like, 12 minutes.
0: Right? Yeah, I was trying to edit it down and I was like, oh, but this is important. It's all important. So... Okay, so Lynn and Chris Dawson were happily married for many years, but in the early 80s, the couple started to experience some issues. Chris was working as a physical education teacher, and he began a relationship with one of his students, who was only 16 years old at the time, and we'll refer to this student as JC. Now, naturally, Lynn was distressed by this relationship, and in December of 1981, Chris ran away with his schoolgirl lover until the couple returned just a few days later, when JC had decided that she wasn't so sure about their relationship. Now, because of this change in his relationship with JC, Chris decided he was actually going to work on his marriage, and Chris and Lynn went to marriage counseling. Both Chris and Lynn spoke to Lynn's mother the night of January 8th after they went to marriage counseling, and they both said that the marriage counseling had been really helpful. The next day, though, Lynn disappeared. Chris claimed that he had dropped her off to do a bit of shopping, and later, Lynn had called him to tell him that she was leaving. But now, over 40 years later, there is no record or sighting of Lynn, leaving us all to conclude that she likely died the day that she disappeared so long. I don't think that was that long. Okay, it felt long. Does the twin brother play into it again? So, he definitely is inevitably a part of the story. So, I didn't mention in my recap, but Chris does have a twin brother named Paul, and they really seem to do everything together in life. They were rugby players on the same team and also teachers at the same high school. So, there's definitely that. And I should mention that there were also two coroner's inquests, about Lynn's disappearance to determine if she may have been murdered and also if there should be a trial or an arrest about her disappearance. And in both of those inquests, the coroners did determine that Lynn was murdered and that Chris should be arrested. However, when this recommendation was sent to the director of public prosecutions, they overturned their recommendation and decided not to arrest Chris. And that happened twice. With the same DPP? Yes. Yes, it's like they have someone on the inside. It's weird. Yeah, he's paid off. Yeah, it's all really weird. And I can definitely see why it made for a wild podcast. Because I also mentioned last week that there's a podcast called The Teacher's Pet and it was released in 2018. And this podcast was just a deep dive on the disappearance of Lynn Dawson in an effort to try and figure out what actually happened to her. And this podcast actually plays a really important role in the resolution of Lynn's disappearance. So, in 2018, the podcast had over 28 million downloads, just to give you an idea of how incredibly popular it was. And it really put a magnifying glass on this case, and it brought a lot of new interest to the case. Which, in a cold case, is so incredibly important. Because the more people you reach, the more we might learn about what actually happened that day, and because someone has to know what actually happened to Lynn Dawson. So this podcast actually brought forth a lot of new evidence and I thought it would be really interesting to go into some of this new evidence that they found and to talk about all of the things that we've learned specifically because of the teacher's pet podcast. So, first, and perhaps most shocking, one of the things that they found from this podcast investigation is that Chris Dawson was not the only high school teacher having sexual relationships with his students.
1: Uh, what? Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Jenna, because I, I don't remember from that podcast. Mm-hmm. Is his brother the other one? Oh, just wait. Okay. Okay.
0: So, as that podcast became more popular, a lot of different people were listening to it, and they realized that they'd had certain experiences when they were at that high school. And they decided to come forward to talk about their own experiences. And because these people spoke up, we now know that allegedly there were at least eight teachers at the school having relationships with students six of them were male teachers and two of them female teachers and some of the children were as young as 13 which is just horrifying what yeah it's like they had that's disgusting weird like ring and they were all protecting each other yeah it's like an epidemic It's crazy. And I can't believe that that wasn't a thing that they really knew until this podcast came out. Like, they were talking about this one incident and people were like, oh, wait, I experienced something like that too.
1: Yeah. And in some of, like, the stories that we've heard or done or whatever, there's people where, like, the Bonnie and Clyde thing and you're like, okay, one person being that messed up, still not cool. But then you're like, and there's another person that messed up that is okay with it. But here you have eight people Mm -hmm. who are like, I was totally fine to sleep with the students. Yeah. What? Yeah.
0: Like, I think honestly that it was part of the draw to that occupation. Like, they were choosing to do it because it was such a great opportunity for them to have these, like, relationships with children. That's disgusting. Yeah. It was just an opportunity for grooming. It's so horrifying. And the fact that Chris was the only one that was ever publicly discussed is just a really strange situation because, obviously, he was not alone. But
1: do you think he was, like, the most out with it because he like clearly didn't hide the fact that he was having a relationship with her
0: okay so he hid it at first until she graduated but not like not well everyone knew that this was happening in Mm the school but the like administrators i guess were the only ones who might have kind of turned a blind eye or been not kept in the loop about it but like the kids knew for sure
1: and it might be something that if so many other kids had something like that seemed more normal, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make it okay.
0: No, and I think that Chris was talked about mostly because, obviously, like, he's a public figure and his wife disappeared, but supposedly, a different teacher left his wife for a student. So, like, I guess... I guess this was happening and to some extent people knew but they didn't know the depth of it and now because of the podcast like people organized groups to get together and they could talk about their experiences and like actually bring it to the police which is one good thing that has come out of this at least so there's more to this whole situation so you asked about chris's brother paul And allegedly, his twin brother, Paul, was also involved with his students. At one point, Chris and Paul had to do some testing in order to keep their teacher's license or to get a promotion within teaching. And they had to go out of town in order to take the test for it and allegedly both Chris and Paul brought students with them who stayed at their hotel with them during this time. Now, Paul has denied this, but the two girls corroborate each other's story. So that lends some credibility to it if you ask me. Yeah, that is so weird. Yeah. And like not okay. No. Not at all. And you'll you'll hear a lot of allegedly within this just because people haven't officially been convicted for some of these crimes. Mm-hmm. And I do want to make sure to use the proper language, but allegedly, teachers would schedule field trips to try and get alone time with certain students, and they would meet up with these students at local bars and buy them drinks because they were underage. And one student even discussed that they thought a teacher had spiked their drink while they were at the bar. Now, because of this podcast, these students learned that they weren't alone in what they had experienced. And they banded together and decided to report their experience to the police. This has led to sexual abuse cases against teachers at three high schools in Sydney's northern beaches. That's crazy. And this does include Cromer High School, which is where Chris and Paul taught. In the early 80s. In 2023, one Australian law firm confirmed that they had nine ongoing cases against teachers from the Northern Beach High Schools, and we don't know how many previous or future cases there might also be. So, many of these cases have been kept very quiet because, naturally, people want to keep some of this private, but we do know that this has resulted in at least two convictions of previous teachers, all because people spoke up when the podcast came
1: out. Good. And this was obviously unexpected. But, like, it's a really good outcome.
0: Right? It's, I mean, at least something good came from it where people have learned Mm -hmm. and, like, that can lead to change. Yeah. But if nobody's talking about it and acknowledging that it was a problem, then how are we supposed to change
1: it? Exactly.
0: So I think that that's one of the, like, silver linings in this case. Although it's incredibly horrifying, the fact that these people realized that they weren't alone and found that they could take action is something that was at least positive. But we still have a whole other case to get to. So, we'll hop back over to the Lynn Dawson disappearance. And one of the good things that came from the podcast is that a lot of different witnesses came forward, and a lot more evidence was discussed in the podcast, and this is information that the public hadn't previously had. And naturally, a lot of this did not look very good for Chris. So, let's run through some of the information that was shared through the Teacher's Pet podcast. I'm
1: kind of excited to hear all of this.
0: There's a lot. <laughs> so, one thing that definitely makes Chris look suspicious is the matter of Lynn's wedding rings. Now, naturally, most women wear their wedding rings, an engagement ring, and When Lynn disappeared, this was something that had actually been asked to him because Lynn's mom was very concerned and wanted to make sure that her daughter had her rings. And Chris told her, like, don't worry, Lynn has her rings. And this is comforting because if she hasn't accessed any of her bank accounts, then at least maybe she was able to sell her rings in order to get money and live her life. But later we learned that Chris actually had Lynn's engagement ring and her eternity ring which is similar to a wedding band and he'd actually even used the diamonds from these rings in order to create jc's wedding rings what Yeah. So, not only is he lying about it, but that just shows such a lack of loyalty or concern to take something that was cherished by this woman who disappeared and just two years later destroy it and give it to someone else.
1: Well, and also to, like, discredit what it meant, Yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: Like, that was for a whole different relationship.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the mother of your children.
0: Yeah. And it would be one thing if you had gone through some, like, brutal divorce or something um, and then wanted to use your rings, but, like, if your wife disappeared and you still supposedly loved her? I don't know. I think it's strange, and I also think it's weird that he lied to Lynn's mom. So, in fact, Chris had actually gotten rid of all of Lynn's belongings by November of 1982, which is less than a year after she had gone missing. Now, one of the other things that came from a new witness that came forward is evidence of physical abuse. Now, we've talked a lot about how different people reported that they had seen bruises on Lynn and that she had claimed that they were from Chris, although she had provoked him. But technically, nobody had actual evidence of Chris physically abusing Lynn. But one of their previous babysitters came forward and talked about how she had actually observed some physical abuse between Chris and Lynn. She also thought that Chris was grooming her, like he would put hands on her and she would have to take his hand off. And in hindsight, she's had a lot of guilt, feeling bad that she didn't warn JC about him.
1: I mean, like she's a teenager she doesn't know right what's going on and like she's honestly trying to protect herself Mm. and not probably not thinking hey another teenager is gonna get groomed too
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially if this is happening from different teachers, I think that she wouldn't know how worried to even be by that type of behavior. Yeah.
1: or just feel like it's something that she's not comfortable with and not realizing that it's grooming until later. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that's totally valid. Honestly, that's probably the best way to think of it. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. like, she might have just thought, oh, he's being overly friendly, but, like, I have some more conservative boundaries. And then when you hear about what happened to someone else, she's like, oh, actually, like, the puzzle pieces are coming together. That was great. Yeah. Now, that makes sense. Now, another concerning piece of evidence is that at the time of Lynn's disappearance, Chris had given a statement about their marriage and why she had left him, which is a totally normal thing to do. But what was odd is that this statement was actually lost for several years. In fact, his initial statement was missing during both of the coroner's inquests. So they didn't even have it as part of the evidence when they found that they recommended an arrest. What? Yeah, and it's odd for information to just go missing.
1: Yeah, I hate that. I hate when it's like, oh, we lost it. Yeah,
0: no, it makes me so mad. But this is where it's a good thing when you have an investigative reporter that is so caught up in a case because when Headley Thomas was doing his investigation, he was actually able to get a copy of Chris's initial statement. So he like literally brought new evidence into the case.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
0: And he also got a copy of Chris's interview that was performed years later when the police were actually investigating the case for foul play. And because he had both statements, Hedley realized that Chris's story had changed pretty drastically from the initial statement to the one from years later. I mean, are we shocked? No. No. So, in the initial statement, Chris had left out a lot of information, which technically is lying by omission. So, if you look at the initial statement, he didn't mention JC at all, or the affair, which just a quick reminder, He didn't report Lynn missing until six weeks after she had disappeared, meaning that JC had been living in his house as a pseudo-wife for over five weeks at the time that he's making this statement, yet he just forgets to mention her. He even talked about how he and JC had gone out of town before Christmas, but instead of mentioning JC, he told the police that he had decided to go on a trip alone because he needed some time by himself. And he said that he had to come back home because he missed his wife and his family. But obviously, that isn't true. Because when Chris had come back home, it was only because JC missed her family and because she was rethinking their relationship. And for a while after they returned to town, Chris actually stayed with JC at Paul's house and they even spent one night at the school instead of returning to his family's home. So, obviously, he didn't come back home because he missed his family. He was in town- That is so weird. Right? He was in town for days before he even saw them. Well, and clearly, Paul
1: is enabling them.
0: Yes, and obviously, Paul knows about the relationship. Like, this is no secret.
1: And is Paul married? Mm Mm-hmm. And then it's weird that his wife is there, and then her brother-in-law, who she knows is married with kids, brings, like, a 16-year-old or 17-year-old or however old- teenager who's a student over yeah and like stays with her yeah they actually
0: interviewed paul's wife at one point and like the police did and Headley had the transcripts and his wife straight up was like yeah i wish lynn would have fought for her marriage basically insinuating that she should have tried harder as though staying while your husband is literally having an affair in your household
1: wasn't trying that hard. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What? No, isn't that crazy? That is like so victim blame-like too. I can't believe it.
0: I also think that this situation makes Chris look really bad too because he did leave his family right before Christmas and missed Christmas with his two young daughters because he was
1: running away with JC. I didn't realize that he missed Christmas with them because of this. Yeah. That's so sad. It's really
0: sad. Oh my gosh, all of it is so sad. And then when he got back, So they'd had a terrible Christmas, obviously. And when he got back, Lynn asked him if they could spend New Year's Eve together. He said he was going on a boat, like, to celebrate New Year's Eve. She was like, well, can we please Mm -hmm. come? Like, me and the girls can stay at the park while you go on a a boat and we'll be nearby at least. And he said no. And instead, he spent that night with JC. I hate him. Yeah. It's just so horrifying, like, he hurt Lynn and his daughters so bad, and then when she's like, please, can we try and do something to have a positive experience, because Christmas was so sad, he's just a hard no. No. Like, what? So, you could argue that he left this stuff out because it's embarrassing, and I do understand that point, and it also seems kind of incriminating, But there's a lot to this that just doesn't seem like Chris has a very clear and realistic story. So in his interviews, Chris also said that Lynn had called him and told him that she was going to the coast with some of her friends on the day that she disappeared. But he's never been able to identify who these friends actually are. And no friends have ever come forward to say that Lynn was visiting them.
1: I was just about to ask... What friends? Like which of her friends? Mm -hmm. Because if I said that I was going somewhere with friends, you'd be like, okay, I know it's these people it could be. right. Yeah. And I feel
0: like that is just such a sign of a lie obviously Mm -hmm. if you were going somewhere with your friends like you would know who they are if i'm like oh i'm gonna go stay with my friends at this coast you know who they are yeah they're not you don't just make brand new friends that your husband doesn't know about that are so close to you that you go and stay with them when you are thinking Mm -hmm. of leaving your marriage like that doesn't make sense yeah weird so in his initial statement Right around the time he reported Lynn missing, Chris also mentioned the name of another police officer that he was friends with, and I think he was doing this to kind of like pressure the police that were interviewing him and also to try and gain favor with them. Now, the officer that he mentioned was a huge rugby fan, and they'd actually met because of Chris's time as a rugby player, And mentioning someone by name may not seem that significant, but I think that it actually is considering that his statement and Lynn's entire missing person file were misplaced for years, if not decades, after this interview. So, it seems like he may have had a friend on the inside.
1: Uh, kind of sounds like that.
0: Yeah. And I think that this strange police dynamic seems even more plausible because one of Lynn's friends had filed a complaint three years after Lynn disappeared. So she had filed this complaint because she was upset that the police hadn't done more to search for Lynn at that time. And yeah. when she reached out to Headley Thomas to tell him about this statement that she had made, he actually wanted to see the complaint and see what she had said at that time. Let me guess, it's missing? So he helped Lynn's friend fill out a request to access her complaint. And the response that they received was weird. Initially, they told him that the file was just gone. So just like you predicted. They're like, yeah, it's not here. It's gone. Can't get it. But they were persistent. And when they contacted a different group, they actually did find the file. But there was a problem because the file was sealed for 90 years, which is literally longer than most CIA and FBI files are sealed. So just keep keep that in mind. And also that this is just a complaint It's not any kind of, like, crazy evidence to some case. Like, she's literally just complaining that the police hadn't investigated much about her friend's disappearance.
1: Like, someone really doesn't want this solved.
0: Yeah. Why would you seal that for 90 years? Yeah. So weird.
1: I have always wondered, because there's so many big cases and stories where they're like, Oh, it was damaged in a fire. Or we lost it, or it was left in an attic with, where it was hot and cold and everything's ruined. Does that just happen in the big ones? Or is it, like, every single case, there's a possibility that, like, they're gonna lose all that information? I guess so. I mean, I know it's a lot to, like, keep track of, but, like, that's your job.
0: Yeah. I mean, I still have, like, birthday cards from when I was 16, so... Same. Um, I also did want to say that I think it's so weird that they had to request access to this and like in such an extensive way because the person requesting access is literally the one that filed the complaint. So like she's trying to access the thing that she wrote. So it just is weird that it was that intense. But fortunately, they were able to continue with the process and get an exemption to actually access the file.
1: Okay. Good. But then they went through all this work and they still just have a complaint.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, they did all of this work and it's it's just a complaint. It didn't really add anything to the evidence or to the case. But it just is interesting that the police handling of this matter seems to be strange.
1: It definitely adds to the fact that there is something going on yeah, behind the scenes of like a tampering possibly Mm -hmm.
0: yeah no i totally agree that's definitely what it seems like to me but of course we won't actually know allegedly allegedly so, one of the other big pieces of information that we gained from the Teacher's Pet podcast was actually JC's perspective. Now, she wasn't formally interviewed for the podcast, but they did have her interviews with police when she finally went to them in the 90s. So, when Chris and JC were divorced, she went to the police to tell them their story, and Hedley Thomas was able to get a hold of her interview. Now, It is worth noting that Chris thought that JC was just talking to the police, because she wanted a better chance at gaining custody of their daughter. So he thought that this was some, like, manipulative tactic in their custody battle. And there does seem to be maybe some credibility to that, because her interview with the police did occur right at the time that their custody battle was beginning. But also, that's just kind of inevitably how it would have to go. Like, obviously, you're not going to go to the police about your husband until after you leave him, and then you don't have a custody battle until you actually are separated. So, I don't put too much weight in it. But according to her interview, J.C. alleged that Chris hadn't told her that Lynn had gone missing. Instead, when Chris and J.C. reconnected, Chris had told J.C. that Lynn was gone and that she wasn't coming back.
1: I feel like that says a lot personally. Yeah,
0: I do too. Also, before Lynn went missing, JC alleged that Chris had taken her with him and had her wait in the car while he met with a hitman to discuss killing Lynn. When he came back, he said that he couldn't do it because innocent people would get hurt. But I think this piece of information is actually really interesting because There's actually another person who had a similar story, and they came forward because of the publicity from this podcast. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? So many. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the rugby players on Chris's team was linked to different criminal groups, and he alleges that in 1975, Chris had asked him about finding a hitman to kill his wife, but nothing ever actually came from that conversation.
1: I think if you ever ask anyone if they know a hitman, it's going to come back to you. Yeah, like, it's no... Yeah, no it's heaven. like a big, giant red flag. Huge. That people remember. Yes.
0: It's like a blazing glow-in-the-dark red flag. You you just can't get mm-hmm. away from it. Flashing. <laughs> yes, neon. Now, in JC's interview, she also talked about how their relationship changed after Lynn disappeared. So, as time went on, JC started to see that her and Chris's relationship might not be normal. In her statement, she alleged that he was very controlling. They fought about how the girl should be treated, he wouldn't let her socialize with friends, and he controlled all of the money. Eventually, he also became physically abusive to her, and JC noticed he was treating her similar to the way that he had treated Lynn before her disappearance. And this is what actually persuaded JC to finally leave. She told Chris that she was going to visit her parents, and instead, she took her daughter and ran away from him. She went to a women's shelter and eventually to the police.
1: That would be such a scary thing to realize.
0: Right? She said that it was so specific in so many different ways because before Lynn disappeared, he used to do this thing where he would make up songs to taunt her. Like, he would take a song and change the words in a way to make it mm-hmm. mean and about Lynn. And he started doing that to JC, too, towards the end of their relationship. So, it, it just, like, was literally his pattern. And I'm glad mm-hmm. she left. yeah. And that's so creepy. Yeah, it's so crazy. And there was a lot of interesting information about the dynamic between Chris and JC and the three children, and I don't know that it's necessarily super relevant to the case, but it definitely was really interesting to hear about, and I do think that it shines a light on some of the more detailed dynamics of their relationship, if anyone chooses to listen to the Teacher's Pet Podcast. So, all of this is obviously pretty suspicious evidence that we've collected so far, but it still leaves us wondering where Lynn is actually buried. And Hedley Thomas actually had a theory So last week, we talked about the theory that Lynn had been buried somewhere at the house. And we also discussed how the police had actually done investigations where they dug in different small areas at the house in 1990 and also in 2000. And during one of these digs, they actually did find a cardigan that one of the neighbors said belonged to Lynn. And this cardigan had cuts in it. Now, last week when we talked about the cardigan, I wasn't exactly clear on what these cuts were from because the cardigan itself is separated into individual panels when you look at the evidence photos, but I did get confirmation that the panel separation was due to degradation of the thread in the fabric and the cuts are Actually, different from that degradation. So, there are cuts within the panels of the fabric that were said to be consistent with a domestic stabbing.
1: Okay. That's terrible, but makes sense. Right.
0: That it was confusing because when you look at the evidence photos, it's like the different fragments of the cardigan. And so Mm -hmm. then I interpreted that as the cuts that they were talking about, but there's much smaller cuts within the cardigan itself and the cardigan was tested for DNA and from this test they actually did not find any of Lynn's DNA so her DNA was not detected but it would honestly be worth running the DNA analysis again because lab techniques have improved so quickly that there might be trace DNA that's present that we're actually able to detect now. There's also strong evidence to support that this cardigan was buried around the time of Lynn's disappearance because when they excavated the cardigan, they also had found a juice box near the area of the cardigan. And this juice box had an expiration date of 1981. Lynn disappeared in January of 1982. So it definitely seems like this could be her cardigan. And if nothing else, this cardigan ended up in the ground sometime around 1981 to 1982. So the time of her disappearance.
1: And reinforces the domestic abuse. Yeah. Or like, at least... Is evidence of that happening. Yeah, it's definitely
0: evidence of something. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to, like, piece it all together. Why would there just be a cardigan? And why wouldn't it have DNA?
1: Well, like you said, DNA has changed so much, so possibly they just couldn't get a profile from it. Yeah. And they did talk about, like, rainwater runoff, how water
0: still seeps into the earth. And so it can, like, run through the fabric that's
1: there. But well and also it's weird like natural things break down mm-hmm. and the dna is like a natural thing
0: that's true but dna has really strong bonds so it stays for a long time oh you so sciencey! it's so so nerdy to say but because it's like one of those molecules that's necessary for life it like doesn't go away easily
1: okay science lady Sorry, it's nerdy
0: So it's worth mentioning that when they excavated the soil at the house, they really only focused on small areas. And even in the dig where they found the cardigan, they stopped digging in the area after that find, which I would have thought that you would want to keep going. But supposedly there were funding issues that were like behind that. But according to Hedley Thomas, there is another area that should be explored. Now, most of the ground around the house is really rocky, but there's one area of soft soil by the back of the house which would have been near the girl's bedroom. When the house was sold, the next owners had to lay concrete over the soil because it was so soft, and eventually a room was built over this area during part of a renovation. So, this was an especially interesting place to look because Chris seemed very invested in the grounds of his previous home. After they sold the house, Chris would go back to the family home even when they had moved out of town. Once Chris showed up with JC and all three of the girls while the new homeowners were working on the house. Chris asked about their new landscaping and asked to take a look around, and the owner being a nice person said that Chris was welcome to look around. They said that Chris had stayed on their property for half an hour looking at different changes that they made. And then about a year later, he came back again and stayed even longer looking at all of the different landscaping that they had done. But supposedly he was only interested in their exterior changes on the house and especially in this landscaping. The owners at the time did not know that Lynn was missing, so they didn't know to be suspicious of this behavior, and they never reported it. That's so
1: weird. Isn't it? Oh, also, like, they might be living in a house that a woman is buried at. Right? That would be a yeah, problem Yeah, that's so for creepy. Me. Well, then if you find out later, it's like, uh, what? Mm-hmm. So, as this podcast became
0: super popular, audience members even offered to buy Chris and Lynn's old house and to privately fund a full excavation of the area. I love it. Right? I'm like, that is such good energy to bring to this. Mm -hmm. But with all of this evidence mounting, it actually did lead to a new dig at Lynn and Chris's previous home. And this time, the dig was much more thorough. Even checking that soft soil in the back of the house. But they didn't find Lynn's body. Even though everyone had thought it was there, they weren't able to find it.
1: Could it have been moved?
0: Yes. And that would be my theory. If I were to give you one, I would theorize mm-hmm. that he buried her there initially and then moved her before he reported her missing. Yeah. Because he had six weeks. Like, I think that's why part of why he waited so long. Of course, that's all total speculation.
1: Well, and then also if that happened, he could still possibly be worried that there was something left behind. And now that there's so much, like... Interest? Yes. Or coverage of it that he's a little more worried about that. Yeah, for sure. I think that
0: that would make a lot of sense. So you might think that since they didn't find Lynn's body that this is where the story ends. But it actually is possible to have a trial without a body. In December of 2018, Chris Dawson was arrested for the murder of his wife, Lynn. And in his court case, he pled not guilty. In 2022, a judge-only trial was held to determine Chris's fate, meaning that they didn't have a jury.
1: I don't know why the judge-only makes me kind of more nervous. Like, I don't remember how this turns out. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Well, and
0: you don't remember or you probably don't remember because this all happened after the podcast.
1: Okay. I was gonna ask if it was after the podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It happened because so the podcast was in 2018. He was arrested like just a couple months after they aired their final episode. So it seems like very connected. But his trial Mm -hmm. wasn't held until 2022. So, honestly, it's all, like, kind of relatively recent. So, the judge considered the evidence, and some of the main pieces that they were considering was that there were no reliable sightings of Lynn since her disappearance, that Chris's statements contradicted each other, meaning that he had essentially lied by omission, And that Chris had moved JC into Lynn's bed only two days after her disappearance, indicating that he didn't really expect Lynn to return.
1: I feel like that is the biggest one for me personally. Yeah,
0: especially when he still didn't even report his wife missing for six weeks. Mm -hmm. It's like, so you don't think she's gone, but she's gone enough for you to move your schoolgirl girlfriend in? Yeah. It's weird. Because of this evidence and much, much more, Chris was found guilty of murdering Lynn and he was sentenced to 24 years in jail and 18 years without parole. He was in his 70s at the time, so it
1: is possible that he might spend the rest of his life in jail. I mean, I'm glad that he was found guilty, but I'm really disappointed that it took 40 years. I know,
0: It really shouldn't have, especially if the case had been investigated initially.
1: Well, and weren't they supposed to have a trial twice, really, based Mm -hmm. on the coroner's report? Yeah.
0: Inquest?
1: Yes, whatever that was. Uh, But then it was overturned twice. Yeah, twice. So annoying. Yeah. So
0: really, this was their third time going through this whole process. Yeah. Which I feel like if nothing else, at least it does seem like the evidence is fairly conclusive. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it seems like this trial was actually able to happen because of some of the evidence that came to light through the podcast, that that really added to the case and helped give more of a substantial reliability to the evidence that was being presented. And so... I do think that, in a lot of ways, the podcast played a role in solving the case. And that's really why I thought it would be kind of fun to cover as a podcast Mm -hmm. episode just to talk about that piece of it. Obviously, it's kind of strange to recap a podcast because, like, you could just go listen to the podcast. But it's 16 episodes long, so it has a lot more detail and a lot more information. So I do highly recommend it. This is kind of like your Sparknotes version and the outside perspective of what happened because of the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's still really interesting. Yeah. You did a really good job telling that, Jenna. You're too kind. Um,
0: Let me shout out my sources. So first I have the Teacher's Pet Podcast, of course. There also was another podcast that they did during the trial called the Teacher's Trial Podcast. So you have like a solid 30 to 40 hours of listening if you're interested. The other source that I have is from Nine News, and it's titled, 40 years on sex abuse survivors from three Sydney schools continue to wait. I also have an article from The Guardian titled, five reasons why Chris Dawson was found guilty of murder according to the judgment. And finally, an article by CNN titled, Chris Dawson found guilty of murdering wife Lynette, ending 40
1: year Australian mystery. Uh, Jenna, I have a question for you before we wrap this up. Mm -hmm. Would you want a jury trial or a bench trial? Okay,
0: I legit thought about this, listening to all of it. Mm
1: -hmm. And I kind
0: of think that I want, if I had to, I would want a bench trial. I agree. Yeah, because like that person was chosen because they have good judgment.
1: Yeah, and there's been so many times I've heard stories of people who um, either like didn't do it and still got convicted, mm-hmm. or people who did do something and, and like, got away. even the judge, yeah, is like, oh my gosh, and then they have to, like, follow what the jury says, uh-huh. so I think I would go with a bench trial, that way there's one person who hopefully has good morals deciding your fate versus 12. Right, and they just have
0: more experience with that type of decision,
1: mm-hmm. you know?
0: So, yeah, I think I would choose that, but here's to hoping i never have to
1: i was gonna say yeah hopefully we never yeah. have to deal with that
0: <laughs> that's crazy um
1: jenna great job
0: oh thanks you're I, so sweet
1: like totally forgot most of what was in that podcast so a lot of this was like renew to me <laughs>
0: okay good i'm glad i was nervous that it would be too much reiteration no it's all good but it is uh nighttime. so I'm happy to wrap it up if you
1: want. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Stay wild and stay weird, guys. Okay, bye. Bye.